I'm joined by Christian Crespo today, and we're going to be talking about prospects in redraft leagues. And it's just really nice to be able to say that and have a season to actually start talking about. But it's been an incredible week of free agency and trading so far. Christian, we're going to shift the conversation today, though, to like just prospects. And specifically, I'm calling them non-obvious prospects who might make a difference this year. I guess that's my best way to frame it. Um, Can you just uh, let us know who the first player you have to discuss is? Yeah, so my first player is uh, kind of a trendy name as of late, and it's Jose Miranda with the Twins. And um, he even becomes, uh, you know, a bigger staple now to target in redraft leagues with Josh Donaldson moving um, out of Minnesota. It kind of clears a spot for him at third base, and he really, you know, showed out this past season in the minor leagues. Uh, One of two players to hit for 30 home runs and 30 doubles. I mean, he... Uh, he's just dynamic at the play. I mean, he used to be one of these guys that would just sell for power, but he really improved his bat-to-ball skills this year, and, and it really showed out. I mean, he was a quick riser. Um, he posted a home run of fly ball rate of just 5% in 2019 and then got that all the way up to 25% in 2021. So he really improved that launch angle, really helped his hit tool, and it should really play well with the Twins this year. Christian, you and I are both prospect guys, and you know we we follow a lot of prospects for real life purposes, but also within the fantasy world as well. And Miranda had a disconnect because if you look at you know especially last year throughout much of the season, kind of traditional prospect list for you know real life baseball, Miranda wasn't rating that highly, but a lot of fantasy uh, analysts, you know, for prospect analysts and dynasty leagues were onto him because. You know, a, a lot of times those traditional prospect lists value, you know, defense and where a player can, you know, play on the field. And uh, he's an older guy as well. That's another thing for him. But like at some point last year, the production he was putting up just became impossible to ignore. Yeah, no, definitely. And he he really improved his plate discipline as well. And that was one of the key things to him making those overall improvements, because like I said, he used to sell out for power and you know, those strikeout numbers were really high. But improved the bat-to-ball skills, really made, you know, a, a really solid impact for the Twins minor league system. And, you know, like I said, Josh Donaldson's gone now, so it opens up a spot for him. We're talking about prospects and redraft leagues with Christian Crespo. He's on Twitter at ccres, at C-C-R-E-S underscore 26. Christian, it seems like you're writing, you're contributing like everywhere these days, triple play fantasy, pitcher list, fantasy pros, dynasty nerds. Uh, it's been really cool to get to know you a little bit more in the industry and everything. And I think what we're, you know, trying to get at today, the types of players we're looking to discuss is prospects and rookies who might make an impact, you know, hopefully earlier in the season than not, but not necessarily Bobby Witt Jr. and Shane Baz and even like Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. Like those guys are really obvious. And for certain, you know, leagues, you know, Jose Miranda might be an obvious name as well. But I think we're, uh, you know, trying to focus on kind of that next layer below Torkelson and, and Green and, and you know Miranda is a, a great suggestion to get it started with, especially after the Donaldson trade, like you mentioned. Yeah, no, and, and as these moves continue to happen, you know more and more room is going to open up for these you know prospects that are basically knocking on the door to the big leagues that are you know ready to make an impact that aren't like you said the the top guys, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. the The youth is definitely taking over the game today. I know where I'm, you know, kind of bumping around my own list that I created for us here. We each picked three prospects who we thought fit this description. And 
Uh, but I think it's just a perfect segue. You said like other moves are going to lead to some other prospects possibly getting a chance. I think that perfectly segues. We each chose one of the Reds, two yeah. big uh, pitching prospects, Hunter Green and Nick Lodola. We're already seeing that with the trade of Sonny Gray, that one of these guys could get an opportunity even earlier than we expected. Yeah, and we put these lists together prior to that trade. So that made it even you know more interesting. And it looks like they're just going to continue to move guys out of there. I mean, they they acquired Mike Miner today. So, but but still, I mean, those Mike Miner is not going to stop one of these young guys that you know they're ready to go. So, the the Reds said that they're not going to trade Luis Castillo or Tyler Molly, but like I want to believe them on that. You know that that could have just been, uh, you know, them trying to increase their value type thing. But but regardless, you know, the there's definitely more opportunity there, and the Reds are going to be incentivized to bring in some youth. I guess we'll start with you know, my guy, the one I chose here, uh, Hunter Green. And for him, it's like he's had a really interesting career, pro career so far because he was the big number two overall pick. He was this two-way player. Then he had Tommy John, and he kind of fell off, you know, the map. There was COVID, all this stuff. And, I mean, he came roaring back last year. Like, his stuff is insane. Like, he's the hardest-throwing starting pitcher, not just in minor league baseball, but in all of professional baseball right now. You know, he hit 105 miles per hour last spring training he hit 104 during the season and he had three starts with 30 pitches of at least 100 plus mile per hour so he can really bring it yeah something that attributes to that is um he was a two-way player back at school so i mean he's just an overall athlete which is why his body's able to hold up i mean it held up for as long as it could prior to him needing surgery but i mean anybody that throws 105 as as much as he does that the body's just not used to that. But like I said, his athleticism is really what has helped him develop and get to where he is today. I mean, you don't see starting pitchers throw that hard, that consistent. So putting him in a big league mound, I mean, he really doesn't have much else to prove in the minor leagues. So that's why, you know, these opportunities opening up for him and, and Lodolo too, who I'm going to talk about shortly. But I mean, these, these guys are ready. So it's, it's their time to shine, especially with the Reds now. They look like they're making a turn, you know, really bringing on the youth movement. And it's it's like I said, it's what the game is all about now. If you don't develop your prospects, then what's the point of having them? Green has a little bit of the Shane McClanahan phenomenon with his fastball where he throws it so hard. And, you know, you get the little uh, flame emoji when you're watching on the TV broadcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people just think it's incredible. And uh, but, you know something we've learned about pitching the past number of years is that it's not just about velocity. It's about like the movement on it, the rise, the spin rate, all that stuff. And yeah. green's fastball is a little more hittable than you'd think just based off the pure velocity. Again, that McClanahan kind of has that same thing going on with McClanahan. It's actually the, his uh, off speed pitches that, that perform so well. But uh, so that is just something to keep in mind with Hunter green, but he still has a really good slider. And like, he has these starts where he's just commanding that. And when he does that, it's uh, you know, it's, it's really just like game over with him. I think the biggest question with both these guys though, and just uh, in general is how deep they're going to be able to go. I could see a world where Hunter green is really impactful for the innings that he pitches in the big leagues this season but he doesn't ultimately end up pitching that many innings. And then it becomes a question of how valuable is that to your fantasy roster? Yeah, but his ratios are going to be ridiculous because he, like he, as, as hard as he throws, he's able to command his pitches as well. Um, but like you said, his fastball does get hit hard. And that's because he, 
kind of has average spin on it. So it doesn't really get that rise to it to really, you know, fool the hitters. It's, it's kind of flat. So a hitter, all he has to do is swing on the plane, level plane. And, you know, if, if he gets, if he makes contact, it's going to go out harder than what it is coming in. Um, but his ability to play the fastball, the slider off of the fastball, and, you know, he has, he has an okay changeup, which he's still working on. But if he continues to work on those pitches, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. But um, I could definitely see them, the Reds, using kind of like a raise approach with him, kind of, you know, letting him go four or five innings at a time. But then again, the ratios are really going to – is what's going to help your, your fantasy team out. You and I did a Twitter spaces the other night. We're going to try to do them here and there just – you know, reacting to some live news, interacting with listeners, that sort of thing. And I mentioned the idea of like, I think, and again, fantasy baseball is interesting to talk about because it depends what kind of league you play in. But just the idea that I think that some of these older, quote unquote, boring starting pitchers, think of like a Kyle Hendricks or an Aaron Savale or Zach Granke, who we know can go, you know, deep into games, like their their teams are going to let them. Like if they're on that day and their pitch count is, you know, not insane, then they're going to be given the opportunity to go deep enough into games where some of these younger guys, I put Hunter Green in that category. I talked about Tanner Houck with that as well after the Chris Sale injury news. Like, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be given the chance. So that is my one concern. Uh, but like you said, the ratios should be, should be really amazing. And we also know that if Green's good, he's going to be efficient. And we saw Alec Manoa last year, I thought was a good example of a rookie pitcher who had a lot of like really deep, uh, he went deep into some of those starts, and it's because he was good and he was efficient. That man is built different. I mean, physically, <laughs> I mean, he's just he's just he's just a different animal. Yeah, that's true. I I man, I love Alec Manoa, but uh, yeah. and yeah, so again, we'll just like go to the opposite, you know, hand guy. Nick Lodolo was was someone you brought yeah. up. Is uh, I I love kind of how these guys are coming up together for the Reds as well. Yeah, and Nick Lodolo is actually somebody that I had been following because I saw him in person a few times in 2019. Um, uh, th- so this past season was kind of cut short. Uh, he had shoulder fatigue, but while he was pitching, he was one of the most dominant pitchers in minor league baseball. I mean, he had a 2.31 ERA with a 2.09 FIP, a 39% uh, K percentage, and only a 5.5 walk percentage. I mean, he was dominant. And his ability to not only... Um, you know, pitch in the mid to high 90s from the left side. But the fact that he command every single one of his pitches the way he does and steal strikes with the sliders, he has a plus changeup as well um, that he could he uses both pitches, you know, both off speed pitches to uh, steal strikes. Like I said, he has a 54 percent ground ball rate as well. So and now now that Eugenio Suarez isn't there, you know, you have to figure that. They signed Donovan Solano today, a little more security on the field. Uh, Jonathan India is a good defender as well. Jose Barrero might start the uh, the season at shortstop. So there's pretty good defense now on the field. So the 54% ground ball rate it, with that in, stronger infield is definitely going to help, um, you know, limit the base path, uh, base runners on base paths. So um, it, it's going to be he, – he honestly, I like Lodolo more than Green. Just because I feel he has a safer, quote unquote, profile, and so like with Hunter Green, my the way I would uh, approach that strategy in drafts is probably pairing him with somebody like Adam Wainwright, 
who you know is just going to throw. No matter what's going on, he's going to throw. He's going to get you the innings. He's going to go deep into games. And you could pair that with Hunter Green, who, you know, you might not be so sure. You're just hoping for the strikeouts, the good ratios. You pair those guys together. Nick Lodolo, I don't feel like I would really need to target somebody like Wayne Wright because of his ability to really command the strike zone, you know, not really throw too many pitches, really keep the number, the pitch count down, and it'll allow him to go deeper into games. I really, I really love that, and I agree with what you just said about like the the strategy and comparing them with certain guys. Where uh, Green is a little bit more, uh, you know, I think sometimes we say like risky or upside too much. I just think he's he's a little more volatile. We don't exactly know what we're gonna get. It could be, you know, really amazing, but uh, it also, you know, he, he could just turn out that he needs more work in the minors. Whereas Lodolo kind of has a little bit of that higher floor due to the fact that he has you know, several pitches and he can throw them with strikes and he's uh, just seems a little bit more polished, whereas Green is more the electric guy. I would also just not want that to come off too much as Lodolo being like safe and boring type, especially with the, what I like to refer to it as is like the era of player development that we're in, where it's like, if you have all these peripheral skills and then, who knows one off season or this is a little more talk for dynasty leagues, I guess, but like all it takes is like one off season where, Oh, Nick Lodolo went to drive, uh, drive line. And now he's throwing two miles per hour harder. And now all of a sudden he yeah, carries this really, yeah, this really great control with this like insane upside, you know, I wouldn't put that past him either. So I guess, uh, uh, my overall point there is just like with Nick Lodolo too, like we shouldn't be viewing it as a situation where it's like, Oh, this like higher floor, but like middling, uh, ceiling type thing like with with any of these prospects the ceiling is is always higher than we think i think these days in baseball yeah no, he's he's just you know just very long very you know he has a long body he doesn't he doesn't throw over the top either it's very three quarters so that also creates great deception um, with his slider and his ability to pair the change up off of it really well i mean he's just a professional pitcher Standing on the mound at six six, I mean that's that's uh you don't see that every day. So I'm like I said, I'm very excited to see what he can do at the big league level. And there's no reason to keep him down anymore. I mean they might keep him down a little bit just um to help you know build build some more durability, especially coming off a season where he only threw I think fifty and a third or fifty one innings. So they might give him a couple starts down there just to you know build back up into the season. But he shouldn't be down for too long he's definitely somebody i would take a late round flyer stash him on my roster the next guy that i had on my list is a little falls a little bit more into that hunter green category uh it's o'neill cruz the shortstop for the pirates and he's more in that hunter green category because i mean the the chance like o'neill cruz he made it to the majors by the end of last year he only played two games uh but he made it and he could just be like you look at his physical tools how hard he hits the ball he could just be this rocket ship uh, who, you know, winds up having a better rookie season than Bobby Witt, even though he's going, you know, 200 pick later or whatever it is. Uh, but, but he's also like, again, you, you look at the, his physical, you know, he's, he's a six foot seven shortstop. Uh, who knows like that, you know, he could just get exposed. His uh, has a huge strike zone and maybe pitchers just have a way to ac- absolutely expose him at the big league level. So a little bit more volatile, but like in redraft leagues, like if you're playing, you know, a 12 team, home league with your buddies type thing. And like you use your last pick on O'Neill Cruz and just kind of see what happens. Like I'm kind of interested by that. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, 
he's something else. I mean, he is literally built different. You, you don't see many uh, many big shortstops like that. I mean, I think biggest shortstop uh, in the game right now, other than him, would be um, Carlos Correa. He's like 6'4". And Carlos Correa plays a really good shortstop. Um, but add another three inches to that and the ability to hit the ball as hard as this guy does. And for a Pirates team that, you know, they're really up and coming. I mean, I'm really liking their farm system a lot. Um, the numbers just jump off the page for him. If you look at his stack has page, I mean, it's all red. It's all of the hitting metrics are red. He, he hits the ball very hard. And for somebody with that much power, um, he truly does like have really good bat control through the zone too. Like he's going to strike out a lot, um, but it's not as much as you would think. And just his bat to ball skills are really good. He's shown it throughout the minor leagues. Um, I, I'm hesitant to say for sure that he's going to start in the big leagues just because he only had not only, not only did he only play like a game or two at the big league level, but he only played like five games at triple a. So he really hasn't had had to go through, you know, the ad, the more advanced stage than what it was in Double A. Uh, so I would think they're they're gonna give him maybe a couple weeks uh, in in Triple A. But when he comes up, he should take that shortstop job, no doubt, and be their everyday shortstop going forward. Yeah, when they brought him up those final two days, I kind of loved it because it's just this idea of like you know they did the same thing him and Rolandi Contreras, I think, came up. Yeah. Uh, those last like two days of the season, and it was just I love Contreras too. <laughs> it was just like um, if you're the Pirates and you know you want to start you know getting these guys ready and getting them ready for winning, just give them two days in the show, and they can you know they'll have that uh, to motivate them. You know, all off season they'll they'll get a little taste of what it's like being around some veterans. I really like that move by them, but but I do think also I agree with you. I think it accelerated kind of people's myself included. Uh, timeline what it could potentially be it was like oh my god he was ended the season in the majors he's gonna you know open the year with the big league team and yeah. uh you make a good point though that there could very well be some more triple a time coming at some point the thing about him and again we talked about his height is uh there's gonna be pitchers or at some point are gonna make an adjustment maybe it's right when he gets up there maybe he just like never gets a chance they just bury him maybe yeah. his physical tools just allow him to get off to this crazy hot start and then, uh, you know, the strikeouts start piling up and those pitches adjust. At some point, it's coming. And that, that happens for all, you know, rookies and prospects and big league players as a whole. But he, he's just so unique in the sense that – and there are, like, some potential, like, really big holes there that it's yeah. it's just going to be so important for him. Yeah. Now, he the thing with the, with prospects is that you've got to let them come up. Obviously, you got to give them time to develop in the minor league system. But you have to give them time to adjust to big league, like to the big leagues, because you it, they they missed an entire year of development with COVID. They didn't get that that time, so that's why last season I attribute a lot of the struggles of you know Jared Kelnick's and those guys that they didn't really have time to develop and they were just brought up. It's like essentially they skipped an entire level and went straight to the big leagues. Like it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be like that. You know we I I take 2020 with a grain of salt and you know i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how these guys really took that following year to build off of you know everything they were accomplishing before in the big league level and just let them go through their struggles because nobody's going to come up like juan soto and just dominate from game one 
We're talking with Christian Crespo on Twitter at CCRES underscore 26. She's talking about prospects who uh, should make an impact in 2022 at some point, but the non-obvious one. So, you know, not Adley Rushman and Shane Baz and Bobby Witt, those type of guys. Uh, Christian, we got two more names to get through here. I just talked about O'Neill Cruz, shorts up of the Pirates. And your final player is the other shortstop prospect from Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, I'm going to talk about Bryson Stott. And um, I love, I'm such a huge fan of Bryson Stott. And he really showed out in the AFL uh, this fall. He really just, you know, proved to people that he's ready to go. And, you know, Didi Gregorius. I feel like he's only starting because of his connection with Joe Girardi going back to Yankee days. And they did sign Kyle Schwarber today. And right now, roster resource has Kyle Schwarber as their DH. But they also have Adam Hazley starting in left field. I don't see that happening. I think Kyle Schwarber will start the season in the outfield. Dio Gregorius can slide right into the shortstop. And, I mean, uh, DH. And Bryson Stock can be their starting shortstop from day one. Uh, I mean, he's he's ready to go. He is that good. I. His power has developed really well. His bat-to-ball skills are really good. He commands the zone so great. He's he's able to slap the ball hard to all fields. Decent speed, too. I mean, he's a rangy defender, probably long-term more third base, but we're not talking about that here. We're talking about fantasy impact, and I think he is going to be, especially in that lineup, I mean, the counting stats he'll be able to provide you, that's a strong, strong lineup. And no matter where he hits, I mean, there's – there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to drive in runs and, you know, drive, you know, be driven in by guys behind them. And like I said, he has speed too. So he's going to get stolen bases. I, I'm really, really excited about Bryson Stott. We just had today the Kyle Schwarber signing to the Phillies and uh, their first four in the lineup. It's going to go Schwarber, Hoskins, Harper, Real Muto, or at least it could, you know, we're, we're yeah. to see how they actually come up with it. And uh, I, I tweeted that out and then someone responded who, who would their number five hitter be and the rest of the lineup. It isn't as deep, but it probably would be Didi right now, but it did get me thinking like, man, if, if stock comes up this year and it's like pretty good right away. And, you know, by the end of the year can work his way up into that lineup, like playing in that ballpark and, you know, in that division, like that, that could be a, a really juicy uh, situation for him fantasy wise. And, he really just had a fantastic year in 2021. He moved all the way up from high A to triple A. He appeared in the future games. Like you said, he, uh, you know, really showed out at the AFL. It felt like all the prospect folks I was following who were at the AFL was just Bryson stop, Bryson stop, Bryson stop. Yeah. So uh, just, just a really strong year for him to build on. You know, yeah. he's got the pedigrees, a former first round pick from a, what's looking like a really loaded 2019 draft class. And yeah, he just checks a ton of boxes. Yeah, he's really good overall player. I mean, like you said with the lineup, I mean, they could they could even lead off with Segura and then shift everybody else down one, Schwarber yep. two, Harper three, JT four, Hoskins five. And then you have some combination of Didi, Bohm, Stott, and whoever they want to play in center field is probably going to be Oduba Herrera because I know they just re-signed him. But that is a lineup. And yep. each one of those guys can mash. So, like I said, the counting stats are going to be there for him. Uh, so my final player who we're going to discuss that I chose is someone who uh, 
let us down a little bit when he when he especially how he finished and it's Vidal Brujan of the Rays and so he last year in AAA he had 12 homers and 44 stolen bases like that is just amazing uh but then you break it down and seven of those homers came in the opening three weeks and he just like the power never came back he had never shown it before I think as it was happening a lot of folks we're thinking that, oh my God, it, you know, we didn't have the 2020 season. Ruhan worked on his power. He's got, you know, all sorts of crazy upside now because we already knew the speed was amazing. And the power just never returned. He eventually did get to the majors. He went just two for 26 and they sent it back down. They weren't starting him every day. It was a little frustrating. So from, from that aspect of it, you know, like he didn't, you know, erupt onto the scene. It felt like he had a lot of helium. Like he was moving really up high in the, mm-hmm you know, dynasty prospect rankings by the end of May, beginning of June last year. And then uh, he, he's still like, you know, thought of pretty good right now. I'll get into a second to as to why I remain bullish on him, or at least think he's worth talking about. But just your thoughts on Bruhan and everything that happened last year. Um, I, from the beginning, didn't think the power was going to be sustainable just because he had never shown it before. I think it was just him getting off to a really hot start. Um, and just building off of that. And then obviously the hype came, but there was probably more attention paid to it because of the fact that he was playing down there with Wanda Franco. So there was a lot of attention on, on the Durham Bulls that season. Um, and my, my main issue with Bruhan is going to be the Rays being the Rays and the amount of guys that they have there because at second base, they're going to have Brendan Lau start there and then in the outfield they're going to have some sort of combination of austin meadows kevin caramayo manuel margot josh lowe i mean they've they've got an incredible amount of players that they have to shuffle in and out of the lineup and each each and every one of them produce so it's not like oh it's this easy to get this guy in and out um uh, bruhan's gonna have to battle but he is that talented um that i do believe they reports came out saying that they're not trading caramayo if they don't trade Kiermaier, I think they're going to trade Margot. And then there are also reports saying that they're looking to trade Austin Meadows if they can as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I do think that Bruhan is talented enough to where his bat-to-ball skills and his speed, you know, he, he's going to he's gonna make his way into the lineup eventually. He's definitely somebody worth stashing just because steals are so, you know, tough to find, especially later on in the drafts. And with the way that he's probably soured on a lot of people in fantasy, you should be able to pick him up really late as a as a late round flyer for that category specifically. Yes, that's exactly exactly that perfectly segues me into talking about why uh, you know I, I'm still a little bit interested by him, and it's because so it depends for your exact league. If you're in some head to head categories league where you know you play with like seven eight categories, steals are a little bit devalued. Like I don't think you need to be messing around with Bruhan. But then we do some of these TGFBI drafts. We do NFBC drafts, you know, deeper roto leagues where the price for speed is just insane. Like Miles Straw, I'm just always blown away at like how early guys like Eduardo Mondesi and and Miles Straw goes. And you're just paying this, you know, Tommy Edmond is another. You're just paying this really insane price for speed. And I definitely don't think that there's a, you know, uh, I'm – don't think that Bruhan is guaranteed to work out. Like, like you mentioned, like there's the the whole raise situation. There's the fact that he wasn't good when he got to the majors last year, but he just goes so much later and, you know, paying for speed that early, like just feels like a losing formula to me. It's like, you need that value to hit. 
where it's like the way to construct a, a true super team in some of these roto leagues is to, you know, get that unexpected jolt. Like anyone who got Cedric Mullins, you know, off fab yeah. last year type thing, or Adelise oh, yeah. Garcia. And if Bruhan even just gets into a spot where he's playing four or five times a week for the Rays, moving all over the diamond, he like his speed is it's like it's like legit legit and you know he could steal 30 bases over the season yeah. over the if that happens and then there's upside if you know he somehow becomes an everyday player and i just think that like again in some of these deeper roto leagues we roster uh you know players who don't end up doing that much else again like miles straw is a perfect example and i think bruhan has that in his range of outcomes and it, it comes at a fraction of the price yeah definitely i mean i remember his first game last year his first at bat he got a single, stole second base, and then scored on a single down the line from second base. I mean, the speed plays, and everybody got super excited off of that, and you know the hype kept building up. And yeah, he he floundered after that, but he's he's an exciting player. I I made a joke this past off season with like one of these just like I live in Boston in these winter blues type days, and uh, I I posted that uh, the video of him getting that single steal on that base. And I was just like, Oh my God, we did it. We made it like <laughs> Adam and picked him up in every redraft. We, yeah. That was an exciting time. Yeah. I, I, I did the exact same thing. Super excited to see that, but it didn't work. <laughs> Christian, man, this flew by. Uh, those were our six players. Um, they're really fun to do. You, you just, you know, talk a little bit more about uh, all the various, uh, you know, sites you're working for right now and contributing at. Yeah. Uh, just doing writing at a couple of sites, uh, Pitcher List, Fantasy Pros, Dynasty Nerds. I'm doing a ton of stuff at Triple Play um, as well. Just it, I have a prospect show with Marty Tallman on there as well that we talk about prospects for all the teams. So just just a ton of fun. Just really enjoying it. <laughs>